Welcome to Because We Make, the podcast about making, creativity, and why we do what we do as makers and creatives. I'm your host, Vincent Ferrari. I have probably the guest that's been mentioned the most on this podcast before they were actually a guest on this podcast. And rather than give some crazy long convoluted intro, I'm just going to bring him right on. Welcome to the show, Bob Claggett from I Like to Make Stuff. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate uh, it. This is like this is like the big get. <laughs> like, <laughs> so you know, before before we uh, started recording, I told Bob I was like, I'm you know, obviously I'm a little bit nervous, and he was like, Well, we've talked before, and I'm like, Yeah, we have talked before. Yeah, in person. You're one of the two guests that I've had so far that I've actually met in person, which is kind of cool. Oh, cool. Right so on. we can kick off. You made a major announcement today that I just thought was so damn cool. Um, I was going to start off with a joke about I was going to have a guest on, but he's a little bit busy. He bought the farm, but uh. it was a little too easy. But you bought a farm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we bought some land. And we actually bought it about a month ago, but I've been kind of trying to figure out how to not make a huge deal out of it or anything, but how to, you know, like introduce it as a new, cause it's almost like a character within this crazy life that I have now. Um, and I wanted to figure out a way to kind of introduce it to the people that follow along with what we do. And so they, they understand where they're going to start seeing things and kind of know where my head's at. Cause I've been spending a lot of like mental space there thinking about what we can do with it and, uh, the future of it and stuff like that. So, yeah, today was kind of just like letting everybody else in on the secret. So, is that going to be the new? Is that going to be the new? I like to make stuff shop, and that that's you're going to move all the production there now. No, I don't think so. Um, I considered that, and I've been looking for property for quite a while, and it whether that happened or not kind of depended on the specific property that I found. But then the more I thought about it, the more. I just like, I like working from home. I like being able to walk upstairs in the middle of the day and see the kids and see my wife. And like, you know, if she needs me for for something or somebody, I'm just available, you know, and uh, it's great working from home. I worked for home for about five years before I like to make stuff was even a thing. So I've been doing this, I guess, probably longer. I've worked in my house longer than I've not worked in my house. That takes that takes an amazing amount of discipline because I always joke with people. It's like they said, well, you know, you do for the most part, you do stuff that you could do from home for your day job. Like, why don't you? I'm like, because I wouldn't get anything done. I don't have (laughs) that level of discipline. You know, there's YouTube and the refrigerator and it's like, they're yeah. both very distracting. <laughs> you know, it's like you got your cats and you're at home and there's your bed and you, you know, you maybe got that one chore you need to do. And I, I just don't have that level of discipline. So I admire people that are able to work from home and actually be productive working from home. And you seem to like from your description just now, you seem to have embraced the fact that, yes, yeah, sometimes there's a break in the schedule, but then I can always go back later on in the evening if I you know, took too much time during the day, I can go back and finish up stuff at night or whatever. Yeah, so. for sure. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I try to keep a, a pretty standard day. And I mean, you know, I have people that work with me now too. So mm-hmm. I want them to have a, a normal work day and stuff. And I don't expect them to, to, you know, like go in line with the hours of a person who can work anytime they want in their own home. Like that's <laughs> not fair to them. So I try to keep kind of a normal day. And if something comes up, you know, I'll, I'll make up the time later, but honestly, like, and this sounds super cheesy, sounds cliche. I love what I do so much that it is not, I am incredibly blessed to be able to 
have the opportunity to go down my own basement and make anything I want every single day of my life. And so there's there's nothing about that that, you know, is like, well, I got to go do that thing today or like, well, I guess I could I could watch TV or I could go make stuff all the time, anything yeah. I want. You know, I mean, it's like I am hyper motivated and I don't think that's necessarily just because I'm like a super motivated person. It's just I'm in a really amazing position and I enjoy being able to take advantage of that every single day. You know, when you when you put it that way, when you put it that way, I'm thinking as you're talking and the work that I've done from home, I do t- basically two things. I would do two things, right? I would either work for my day job from home or my what I call my side hustle, which is, you know, making stuff for people. And what's and when I'm making stuff for people, I am hyper focused. I love doing that. I yeah. don't need to be cajoled into going downstairs to my shop to do something. I I just like oh I'm gonna go downstairs to my shop. It's I'm motivated. I'm I'm like driven. There's a drive there, and maybe it's just because that's my thing rather than somebody else's thing. So maybe that's maybe that's it. Maybe that's why I can't work from home for the day job, but I'm so productive with my own thing at home. So. I never thought of it that way. That's uh, kind of an interesting way to think about it. Yep. Um, I liked your I liked your book a lot. Well, thank you. Um, I liked it. Um, I actually got it as a PDF the day you released it because I was very, very, very into what is how do you do, maintain that work life balance and your story is what got me. And we've talked about this so much on this on this podcast, and I've talked about it with all my maker friends, and you've followed the typical path. You had a, a computer-related job, <laughs> and you kind of had the hunger to do something with your hands. Yeah. And it's just like, it fascinates me how many of us are like that. I mean, my day job is IT, online sales, and product packaging design. I mean, it's a crazy eclectic mix of things to do, but... It's the same thing for me, like that dr- that drive to do something with my hands, you know, thanks to you, obviously, but it's there and it's such a, it's such a different thing from what I do to make, you know, my quote, real money. And everybody that, everybody that I respect as a maker seems to have started somewhere along the lines of doing IT, programming, web design, and they ended up doing beautiful maker-related things and you're just one of those people and I... What drove, what, was it this internal drive to make stuff? Was it, like, what really kind of lit the fire under you to get started doing it? Well, I think, I think the common thing, because I see that a lot too, like tons of people will come up to me at events and, and say, like, yeah, I'm a programmer, and I'm, I feel you. Like, I just want to <laughs> get out in the shop and make, you know. Yes. But I think the thing about that, I think people who do computer work programming but also design and you know a lot of things where they're sitting in front of a computer um i think most of those people at their heart are problem solvers and Hmm. you know when you write code you are solving a box of problems and they're all all those problems are all wrapped up together and you you can't solve one without solving other ones or you can't solve this one until you solve that one and so i think the people that do that kind of work are inherently the people who want to solve problems. But when you spend your life, your entire day, solving a problem in a rectangle in front of you on a table, that problem eventually gets not interesting enough. Like, it's it's just not enough. It's mm. in one place. It's one kind of problem. And so I think that's why so many people who are in that same space realize that, like, they just have an itch to solve problems, but 
I've had enough right here, right? I've had enough in this little rectangle. I've got to do it somewhere else. And, and, yeah. and then it goes to like, well, I could use my hands. I could make something that I could enjoy. I could solve this problem in my house or for my friend. And I think there's just a lot of people who do that kind of work are very similar somewhere deep inside of them. I think they're problem solvers. And eventually that's going to have to go off the computer for most people, not everybody, I guess. And then the creative aspect of, you know, again, you're you're right. They're problem solvers but most of those problems get to be solved creatively. And at some point your creativity just goes, I don't want to apply my creativity constantly to if then loops. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I want to do something a little more tangible with my life than say, oh, good, I wrote this code. Oh, okay, great. It's good. It works. It solved all the problems, made my company some money. But yeah, there's just, it, it isn't life, life to me, especially in the last couple of months, I always feel like there's just something more and I just want to learn so much stuff. And that's where someone like you are, you're a fascinating person because there's so many, you make videos, you don't pigeonhole yourself on what you make, which is amazing for a YouTube channel because usually YouTube channels are hyper-focused. So that has its advantages and disadvantages, but we can come back to that. But you are, you're, 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 I don't want to say depth of knowledge, but your breadth of knowledge is huge. Like you have a lot of skills that go really well together. Like I watch you work with Arduinos and I'm like, wow, he's just like, I'm competent with an Arduino, but you're like the stuff you do with the different boards is just like when you did the bike with the Intel board and all that stuff. It's just amazing to me. You're, you're the amount of things that you know about and can produce a project from is fantastic. Well, I appreciate that. But to be entirely 100% honest, I have as much imposter syndrome about what I do as everybody <laughs> else has about what they do. Honestly, well, I mean, it, it may look at a distance like I've got all these skills or I can just pick things up here and there. But I mean, I think at the core of it, I'm not afraid to not understand something. And I think wow. <laughs> one time when I was a kid, my dad, he's, actually, he said this my entire life, but... Uh, I specifically remembering him saying one time about like, well, you know, Bob just didn't realize that he didn't know how to do that. So he just did it. Wow. And that <laughs> that's come up a bunch of times in my life. It's not that I, I know a bunch of stuff. It's just that I'm not worried about, it's okay for me not to know it and to go try it anyway. Right. And, and to be willing to. And learn um, it from like practical experience rather yeah, than. Yeah, exactly. So it, from that perspective, I don't have a deep knowledge on a lot of things. But every time I do a project with Arduino, for instance, I'm deepening that knowledge a little bit, like with mm-hmm. some one new function or one new integration or one new, you know, something. And so that just comes with practice to be able to like, you know, sit down and have an idea and be able to pull it off. It's never like, well, I just know how to do that in my head. It's no, I know the right places to go look to see how other people did it and how to combine those results together. Um, but like I... I honestly do not feel super confident that I'm like great at anything. Just like I think everybody has that feeling. I think, yeah, I think that's kind of inherent in what we do, right? I mean, you you know, I I look at my the stuff I make and I'm proud of the stuff I make. But there are times where I look at it and go, that is just utter garbage, you know. (laughs) And I I understand, and I'm I'm realistic about my abilities. Like I know when I'm pushing my abilities a little bit too far, but. A lot of times pushing your abilities a little too far is what enables you to actually do the thing the next time you need to do it. Absolutely. You know, like right now I'm making a cutting board for a client and the cut it, the cutting board has to have a juice groove in it. And I am petrified of taking this beautiful cutting board, 
with, of made of maple and bubinga that is it is smooth as glass. Hmm. And now I have to plunge a router bit into it to damn do the damn juice groove, and I'm just like I really don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But can, can you like not want the juice groove? And he's like, No, I'm gonna cut steak on it, man. I need the juice groove. I'm like, Son of a, <laughs> damn it! I don't want to do yeah. this. <laughs> Um, you can always put a little wedge on one end so the whole thing sits at a tilt, and all the juice will just run off one side. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's a perfect solution. See, that's a problem-solver solution right there. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to cut into it, but I can make a tilt. That's, that's right. The, we'll make it like Jimmy did. We'll just make um, a hand crank that we can just turn, and you can tilt it to different angles. There you go. That's not overcomplicating it at all. No, no. Perfect. No, I mean, cutting boards by Rube Goldberg, I mean, you know. <laughs> So you, it was funny because the first video of yours that I watched, um, this tells you how far back I go with your channel. The first video I watched of yours was you making notebooks. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like it goes, it literally goes that far back. And I was like, I have this thing where I'll watch a channel and I'll go, that can't possibly be interesting. But YouTube keeps telling me I'm going to be interested in this guy making notebooks. All right, let me watch it. And I was like, wow, he, this was actually interesting. <laughs> Hmm. And well, it's good I, I've been along for the ride ever since. And it just feels like you've just kind of always been there. Like, I know that I'm going to get one Bob video a week. And I don't know what it's going to be about, but I've learned a lot of techniques in doing things from watching your videos. So hmm. it's, we you know, I talked about this with Steve Ramsey. I don't necessarily watch a video to learn how to make a project. I learn, I like watching videos to learn how to make, like how to do a certain technique or pick something up that I can apply later on and, your videos are excellent for that because they're like a library of different things you can learn how to do. Yeah. So. I mean, I hope that's the, I mean, that's my intention. You know, I don't expect people to always make, usually make the things that I make. But I think it's weird about the YouTube thing. It, it, just an observation. I mean, it's not, it's not good, bad, or ugly. But it's just everybody watches video A for different reasons. And so what you're saying, you know, you're watching it to get a, pick up tips and maybe, you know, You'll, you'll file something away and then you'll use it in six mm -hmm. months when you make a thing, you know, this one little piece. Other people will go looking for specific videos after the fact because they want to make that object. And that really is tough from the creator side of things to be able to, to put in enough information for that second person to get what they need to be able to make it, but not overload the person who's just looking for tips and tricks and, you know, wow. the experience of it. There's a bunch of that type of stuff that I think, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of mature in the, the video making thing. I've been doing it for a while. and Just a bit. <laughs> there's, there's a few of those types of things that I've run across and gone, oh, like I actually have to think a little bit more about what this video is going to be now and what it's going to be in a year when somebody stumbles across it. And like, who are those people and what are they, what are they there for? And how can I give each of them what I think they might need. And I could be totally off base, you know, but do you uh, find, do you find one particular type of viewer with your videos? Like where it's either a type like me or a type that wants to make a certain thing and they're getting their instructions from you, which, um, do you have like an idea of which one makes up a majority of your audience? No, 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 not at all. It's, it's <laughs> both. And then a thousand other types of people that I don't know about yet. No. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I guess, in, you know, it's funny cause I've, I've, you are the, by far, the most subscribed person I've had on the show. So I guess it is a little bit more difficult for you to kind of narrow down what your audience is about with an audience the size of yours. So, Yeah, and I mean, also, like what I was saying earlier, there's a, advantages and disadvantages to having a channel that's really 
uh, varied. You know, the content type is varied because, and this goes to the content type and to the intention. But when somebody comes to it, they're coming through. They're coming to the channel through a video, and they're coming to that video for a reason. And so that's like, that's two layers of unknown right there about that one person. And then you multiply that out, you know, and it gets just hard to track. It's hard to figure out exactly who the audience is and why they're there. Um, I lost my train of thought. That's cool. That's cool. Um, we were, this episode, so when I met you, when I met you way back in 2017, um, what I told you was, and you actually quoted it on the podcast, which is like, wow, he remembered that. He remembered me. That was so weird. <laughs> even even my wife was like, wow, he, how many people do you think he saw that day? And he actually remembered that he spoke to you. Um, but I actually have a shop because of you, like literally because of you. And I, you know, I, I have the shop because of you and I learned how to do woodworking, do watch, do uh, Steve Ramsey, hmm. you know, so, but lear- having the shop in the first place was you. It was, you were the inspiration to maybe seek out something. Cause I had just gotten a 3d printer and I was like, I need kind of a space to make some stuff. And it, that was when the bug bit, it was like, it hmm. was, it was time for me to start doing stuff. And, you know, watching you do all the stuff you do, I'm like, this, he makes this stuff look not easy. No, nothing you do ever looks easy to me, it, <laughs> but it looks approachable. Well, that, good. I, that's the goal. So. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's where people screw up a lot. They think easy and approachable are the same thing. They're not. Something can be very difficult, but you can make it look like something you can tackle if you put your mind to it and really follow the steps and, you know, you really learn what you have to do. And my shop started out as the corner of my basement, and now it's half of my basement. And whereas it went from something that I did just for fun on weekends, you know, maybe make an occasional thing, it's turned into, I won't say a full-fledged business, but an actual, you know, legitimate side hustle now. Hmm. And, I mean, I could say thank you, but I feel like that would just be like, well, that's just kind of underwhelming to say thank you for all that, because I feel like you've given me something that gives me the most joy of anything that I do is to go down there and to do something, even even if it isn't for a client, even if I'm not getting paid for it. Hmm. You know, just to go down to the shop, which is my space with my tools, and it's like my happy place. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I didn't have that. I didn't have that before. You know, my happy place used to be plopped in front of a computer, either playing games or watching YouTube or something. And it's just, I feel like you kind of opened my eyes to something so much more. And it's just, it's amazing. This episode is dropping on July 17th. We're recording this on July, today's the first, right? Yeah, so July 17th, which was my dad's birthday. And I think I told you this, my dad was a carpenter. He's a very good carpenter. Mm. And the bug never really bit me to do this stuff. And so you kind of lighting that fire in me just kind of set me on that path. You set me on the path, and then Steve Ramsey met me along the way and said, well, why don't we go this way for a little while, you know? It's like, yeah. he, you were the guy that told me on, set me on the path, and he was a trail guide along the path. It was, I mean, my life is so much different now. It's so <laughs> much different. You know, I get people messaging me all the time. It's like, can you make this for me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay, cool. When, uh, when can you have it for me? And That's they, empowering, they were, isn't it? it? I mean, It's amazing. It's so empowering to me to, and you know, I, I have a lot of history with this, but it still feels amazing to just come up with an idea or have somebody ask you for something or somebody, you come with a need. Like, I need this thing yes. to help yes. my life be better. And you can go, sure, no problem. Can, I can, can figure out how to make that happen. Yeah, it's, we, it's we awesome. can do that. 
and it's yeah. and when and you know it's funny because for me you know woodworking is you know the the thing that makes me the most when I do stuff for other people but where I really found my passion was making jewelry like hmm. I really enjoy making jewelry I, I enjoyed it when I was in high school I took I took an elective because I had to fill out my schedule and I was like well jewelry's available that would be a cool way to meet chicks and <laughs> it was actually a cool way to meet chicks but <laughs> I learned so much in that class and I loved my teacher so much and he was such a good teacher and such an inspiration. I always knew that one day I wanted to make jewelry and it just kind of sat for what, 30 years. <laughs> mm. And then I got my shop and I got my Glowforge and the next thing I know I'm making jewelry in my basement. So that's amazing. It's, it, it, is, it is incredible how much, you know, you, you must have this impact. I mean, I can't be the only one that's told you this. You must have this impact on a lot of people. Uh, yeah, I mean... I don't even know how to talk about that. It's uh, I, I've had a lot of really amazing feedback from people about um, what they do because of what they've seen, and that includes me, but not obviously not only me. I mean, there's there's a huge community of people who are putting out stuff that that light little fires in people in different ways, and you know, mm-hmm. some of the stuff I do lights fires with some people, but some of what I do will never ever make an impact on a, a different group. But then I there's see. somebody else out there who's creating content that hits that group right where it counts, you know? Um, so I've, I've had a lot of comments that are really positive and uh, really encouraging. I <laughs> One time I was at VidCon and uh, I was going VidCon. I don't know if you've ever been to VidCon. It's insane, and it's like ninety percent fifteen-year-old girls. It's like I shouldn't have. <laughs> there was no reason for me to be there. It was the wrong. Person. But, but there were these. It's in this this center that's huge, and there's these escalators that go up like three or four flights of stairs at a time. And so I'm just kind of like walking around this place. Nobody knows who I am because I'm in the wrong place, and which is perfectly fine. But I'm going up this big, long escalator, and I'm just waiting because it takes, like, 30 seconds to get to the top of it. And this guy passes me and is staring at me. And I kind of looked at him, and I'm like, you know, I don't know if I did something wrong or if I offended him or whatever. And then (laughs) he gets almost all the way way down, almost all the way down the thing, and he yells, I bought power tools because of you. And then, like, ran off. (laughs) And that was one of the coolest things because it wasn't just like, hey, you're awesome. I like your videos. It was like, I took an action. Because mm-hmm. of something I saw on one of your exactly. videos, and that feels amazing. It, I, you know, I, one of the common threads, one of the common threads, because I always ask people a, qu- a specific question toward the end of the discussion, but the common thread that I always get back from people that do this, that particularly content creators, because everyone I've spoken to is a content creator in one form or another, and they always say that you know fulfillment for them is people pursuing something that they inspired them to pursue. And I can't even imagine what that must feel like. I mean, it's got to be the most amazing thing in the world because you think, you know, I'm making really cool videos and I'm doing good stuff and I'm supporting my family doing what I love. And then there's this whole emotional attachment that your fans start making with what you're doing that's probably beyond even what you might even have to your content. You know, it's it's got to be, you know, we talked, you just said, you said before that it's got to be empowering when somebody says, can you make something? And you say yes, but it's got to be empowering as hell when somebody says, look what you made me do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. And honestly, when I started this whole thing, like I had an idea for it and I had kind of a purpose, but it was, it started out as a very selfish, like I want to be able to make stuff 
this is a venue that I can make some stuff in. And then that kind of feedback that you're talking about started coming in. And I had to kind of figure out like, okay, well, what is my place here? Because I'm, I'm feeling this amazing, or I'm, I'm seeing results of something that I wasn't even trying to do. Hmm. And it was so much more gratifying than like, well, I made a, you know, a thing to put in my house. <laughs> Look at these me. floating shelves. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's cool for about a minute. And then you're like, they're covered in stuff and they're not really pretty shelves anymore. But getting comments from people that like, they didn't know how to do something or they were scared to do something and now they're giving it a shot. And so starting to get that kind of feedback early on really made me kind of step back from the whole thing and be like, well, do I have a reason for this? Like, is that my reason or is it selfish or is it both? Or is it, and I, I had to spend a lot of time. I didn't have to, but I did spend a lot of time kind of internalizing that, trying to figure out a goal and a purpose for this whole thing so that it wasn't just, you know, Bob making stuff for himself, the end. <laughs> hope you guys hope you guys like it. Cause I don't think that's good. I don't think that's enough for me. I don't think anyone would really find that long-term enjoyable. Exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. have retention doing that. Yeah. Hmm. Two of my favorite videos that you did had, one of them was, well, you did a one minute documentary about a guy that you were, that in a race, the guy, I, I don't want to, I don't want to make, you know, I don't want to make it like an emotional thing, but the side of you that I saw in that video was just very, um, raw, it maybe is the word. Yeah. Um, and it was it was a side of you that I really really liked, and it was just it it was very because up until then you know most of your videos were you making things and then you did this one minute documentary and it was very um, like humanizing almost it kind of fleshed out Bob the person a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that one can we can talk about it as much as you want to. It, it's been a long time ago, so it's not it's not hugely emotional anymore. But okay, um, that one I think connected with a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. And um, I got a lot of that response from people like, oh, wow, like I see you as a person now instead yeah. of just this, this talking head, you know, that shows how to make things all the time. Like, And I'm glad for that. I'm glad that I was able to do that video for several reasons. But one of those was to I, – I didn't intentionally put up any kind of a veil as like – I'm an HGTV face that just does stuff and has no life outside of the TV that you're watching. I didn't intentionally put that up, but that kind of happens when you just well, make yeah. videos about projects, right? Right. So doing that video uh, and a couple other ones kind of like, I think there's a lot of connection that can happen, you know, heart to heart when people realize that they're, they have something in common or, or you realize that you've been through something similar to what somebody else that you're seeing has, has been through. Even just and, pure em- pure empathy, just like wow, I can I can I feel for you, man. That's yeah. that's got to be crazy to go through. Yeah, and I think that's the stuff. That's where life really happens. That's where change happens. That's where relationships are built when people are willing to share an experience or have that empathy. And unless you make yourself available to that, sometimes to be open enough and be vulnerable a little bit, you're if you don't do those things, you're missing out on some pretty special relationships and it's pretty pretty special conversations and that was just one of those opportunities that I I kind of couldn't pass up and I wrestled with making that video for about that happened almost a year before the video was done and I thought about making that video for about six months and it took me that long to actually like sit down and do it and figure out how to say it and all that and then stuff. and then after you make this 
emotional video that I, I'm not going to lie. But I'm, I'm one of those guys, I get choked up very easily. I'm a very emotional person. And I wear my heart on my sleeve, and it just it shows off to everybody. Very shortly after that, you made the video where you fixed your granddad's saw. Yeah. And it was like, oh, my God, Bob. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's going on? Man? Are you okay? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And again, that was another video that was like just such a, it was such a touching tribute to your grandfather where you took his his basically for those of you that haven't seen the video, he took the he took his granddad's old saw, built, put a new handle on it, cleaned it up and hung it up on the wall in the basement where his grandfather used to work. And I was just like that I legit cried at because it was just <laughs> such a it was such a mm, it was like a gut punch watching it. But I, I love that you did it again. Same reason as the other one. It was like. You were fleshing out somebody that I liked watching, but now I felt like we had some kind of human connection. And yeah. Is it is it weird to you at any point? Because you're living in your grandfather's house now. Mm-hmm. Um, you were in you were in Savannah at that point. You hadn't moved into the house yet. Yeah, but, that was yeah. when he was he was within his last couple of days when I made that video. And I was here because he was about gone, and so yeah, we moved up here a couple of years after that. And is it weird, like, being in that shop? Like, do you ever feel like, I mean, is it, because, like, if I, okay, so let me rephrase this. If I was in my dad's shop, the one he used to have, it would be, it would feel kind of cool to be doing things where my dad used to do things. Um, But at the same time, there would probably be this, I don't know, nagging feeling about, like, it's kind of weird that I'm in this place. I, I, do you ever feel like odd working in the shop that your grandfather worked in, or is it just you just think it's kind of cool to be in there and doing continuing what he was doing in it? Honestly, I think uh, I, I don't feel weird about it. I, okay, I'm trying to figure out how to say it. I I think it's like one of the cooler opportunities I've had in my life to be able to work in his shop and to be able to create this this thing we're, we're trying to make a company we're trying to make a movement within people and we're trying to affect people in a in a positive way and to be able to do that from here it's like it's exactly if he was born when i was born he would be doing the same thing just the <laughs> type of person he was and the way that he modified his world around him to to work like he wanted it to work and um the way he he took care of people and he taught people and it's just all the stuff. And, you know, I'm named after him and I grew up, uh, really enjoying the time I had with him and my grandmother. And we were close when I lived here and then I moved away to college and stuff and I saw him less often, but every time I saw him, it was fantastic. And I always had a huge amount of respect for the amount of different stuff that he knew how to do. And he was never afraid to try anything. And, so honestly, being able to work here, uh, it feels like I'm getting the chance to extend and, and alter what he did with his life. And that's pretty amazing. And I've completely gutted his home, you know? That's true. That is <laughs> like true. Like I've, I've torn it out. I've completely torn out his shop and torn out his storage room and made it my office. And I've modified this place head to toe. And a few people have asked me over the years, like, you know, do you think he would care? Like, would he be upset? Would your grandmother nah. be upset? My grandmother probably would be upset that I've modified the house, <laughs> but he would absolutely love it. And I know that. And that is, that's empowering. Cause I know he would walk into the shop as it stands now and be like, wow, <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> you know, because, 
it was just it's just uh just the way he was like he would he would modify everything around him to make it more easy to use to make it fit him in fact when we bought the house we had um you know you have to get an electrical inspection inspection of everything and the guy came back and he was like the house looks great there's a bunch of electrical things you may want to kind of look at and i'm like <laughs> oh, what, are you, what are you talking about and he's like well there's there's like a plug that's plugged into this wall an extension cord and then the extension cord goes into a wall upstairs and then comes out in another place where there just wasn't a plug and he wanted a plug so he figured out a way to <laughs> there's oh a bunch God. of stuff like that that i kind of had to undo because it wasn't really done super well <laughs> but he made it what he wanted and made it work for him and i think that's knowing that about him has given me a whole lot of freedom and uh you know motivation to make this place exactly what we need not only what i need for myself and for my business but also for the family and that's that's awesome it's it's amazing watching like i go back sometimes and i watch some of your older videos and i watch your old shop (laughs) don't do that (laughs) oh no i I must Uh, first of all well before i talk about your old shop i i had this discussion with steve with steve ramsey i've had this discussion with a couple of people about their earlier videos it was you were a much different person. Let's just put it this way: you are a much different person on camera than you are at the beginning. You are you're a little more animated. You're a little more like you're up. You're a little more upbeat, less um, clinical, and yeah. it it comes. It your comfort level comes across very well now. It's 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 a pretty cool evolution to watch. If any of you that are fans of Bob, sh- don't listen to Bob. Go back and watch a couple <laughs> of his older videos, and don't then watch his newer videos and go, wow. That's a Bob evolution, if ever I've seen one. It is all comfort level, honestly. It's not, uh, it, you know, it none really of it's is. fake, none of it's anything. But I was so anxious, and so I don't know what to do with my face. I don't know what to do with my hands. What do I do with my hands? Oh yeah, of yeah. course. It's the first thing you start thinking is like, do I do I do like the Italian hand movement thing that all the Italian guys do? Like, yeah. keep my, and and the funny thing is like, you move your hands, but while you're when you got the camera in front of you, you start thinking, does that hand movement need to be on camera? Should I move my hands up by my face so that it's yeah. on camera? <laughs> but your old shop, I don't understand, and you know, it was always a mystery to me how you got anything accomplished in such a tiny space i mean you literally had harry potter's bedroom as a shop pretty much it it was the it was the cupboard under the stairs and yet the things you did in there were like amazing you had a cnc on a hinge on the wall (laughs) in a shop i mean how first of all how big was that because it's hard to kind of come across on camera but how big? Do you remember the measurements from it? I'm, it I'm was, always been curious. It was 12 by 20, so slightly smaller than a one-car garage. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it was basically a one-car garage, but the the wall in the center was pushed in just a hair. So that's that's amazing to me. I it just goes to showing, you know, this is a recurring theme for some makers that you know you can get stuff done in a small space. You just have to be very creative with your use of your space. And yeah, you know, and I th- I think for me it was I was about like just being able to adjust on the fly and being able to move things around and keeping things as mobile as possible. And then just knowing that I'm going to have to probably go outside to do a lot of the work, which was a drag in Savannah. Cause it's like, <laughs> yes, you're walking I, into a sauna every time you go outside, but or getting just, eaten alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny. Cause I, I, my shop is a decent size, but there are some things I just won't do in my shop. Like my planer. No, that goes out into the driveway, and I plane in the driveway. Like, yeah, there's yeah. no sweet way in hell I'm ever going to use the planer inside. It's just <laughs> not going to happen. I, I The first time I used it, it's very funny. The first time I used it, I had it turned so that the exhaust, I had it in my garage because it was raining, 
and I put it to the edge of the garage and I wasn't really paying attention to what I was, th- what I was doing. So I set it up and I put it down. I put the pe- first piece of wood in and I had the exhaust pointed into the garage. Oh. Yeah, that was not a good move. <laughs> that was not a good, it was one of the greatest mistakes I've ever made. There's still chips in my garage <laughs> and where I'm just like, those are just gonna have to stay there until I move the stuff that's around them. <laughs> That's one of those things, though. You'll remember that, and every single time you use that tool, you will check to see which way. Very careful now. <laughs> well, it, you know what the worst part is, though? I realized where it was pointed because I had to put the wood in the other side. So something should have clicked in my head that, hey, this is going to throw a lot of chips, and yeah. you don't have anything hooked up to that outtake. You should probably do something. Nah, we'll just do it. You know, just plow ahead and... <laughs> I mean, it looked like, you know, like when, when kids, I don't, I'm, I think you're about my age. So when you were in school and a kid used to throw up on the floor and the janitor used to bring the bag of sawdust to kind of cover up, that's what my whole garage looked like for like months. (laughs) It's awesome. I've had so many of those moments in the shop. The other day I was making a pendant and, you know, I wanted to, I filled it with resin. I had a frame and I put a thing in the middle and I went to pour the resin in. And there were a couple of bubbles. And I'm like, well, I don't want to hit it with the heat gun because I don't want it to splatter the resin. I know what I'll do. I'll go upstairs. I'll get the barbecue lighter and I'll use that. Well, it's not a bad idea, right? Well, it's polyester resin. Mm. And if you ignite, if, just, just pro tip, guys. If you light a barbecue lighter above polyester resin while it's off-gassing, it becomes a torch. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I just had so many of these brain fart moments where it's, it's, it's kind of the fun of having a shop, though, right? Like, you have moments where you just go, oh, Jesus, what was I thinking with that one? Or how did that happen? Well, and I think there's a lot of stuff, like, I mean, like that. You wouldn't know that unless you had some experience with, like, chemistry right. or you had tried that before. Well, now I know. <laughs> yeah, now you know, right? But, like, there's, there's a ton of things that, that you do, I'm, I'm doing air quotes here, you do wrong just because... You don't know what you don't know, and the only way you can know what you don't know is by trying it and figuring it out. And there's no, like, I think that right there is a thing that scares a lot of people. Yeah, and it's a shame, but I think a lot of people are afraid to fail. But you have to almost always fail to be able to do it right the second time. Yeah, your first attempt at anything sh- is most likely going to fail, unless you're some super genius that's just really amazing at doing things. You're you are going to fail, but. You can learn a lot if you fail the right way. You really can. I mean, I, yeah, I, sure. I've learned a ton through my mistakes, a ton. I've learned not to do a lot of stuff. And <laughs> I, think that's, I think it makes you a better maker. You know, your, your, your body of work doesn't have to come from being told what to do. It can come from the things you've learned. And when you talk about practical learning, practical learning isn't always, I did this and it worked. Now I'm going to do this better. Sometimes it's, I did this and it completely failed. So the next time I did it was the first time it worked. Yeah, I, honestly, I think that happens more often than not. Yeah, I think anyway. so, I think so too. Yeah. That's my it's my mo. I mean, I mean, I make stuff a lot of times for the first time, and I always tell people like, "Hey, I'm making this for the first time, so it may take a little longer for me to get this to you than usual." And usually, people are okay with it. Yeah. They kind of like to be the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It, it making is. It's like life. I don't want to get too philosophical, right? But it is a lot like life. Like you, it's a microcosm for how you look at your life. If you're always scared to fail, you're never going to try anything, you know. And if you're always yeah. scared that you're going to blow something up in your shop, you're never going to go down there and build anything. 
it's it really is it does just work out that way yeah for sure uh what was i had a damn it i had something popped into my head while i was saying that and i cannot remember what it was i love okay i love the treehouse videos <laughs> thanks i i had to i had to bring that up and the reason i had to bring it up is because you didn't I've never seen such a thorough explanation of why you do what you do with a treehouse. <sighs> and I ha- how much of that was stuff you knew and how much of that was stuff that you did research before you did the project? It's really interesting to hear you say that. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh boy. Treehouse, yeah, the treehouse videos have been um, trying for me. They, uh, the response has been different than usual uh oh so I I spent a long time thinking about the treehouse and trying you know my kids have been asking for it for a long time and we were talking about building it last summer and we never got around to it and then in winter it's not worth trying to do that kind of work outside so I spent a long time thinking about it and I knew that putting something like that on YouTube uh, it's a a lifted structure which inherently is going to have people coming out of the woodwork saying that I'm doing it wrong it's not safe <laughs> for me or for kids all or the, for all the, the structural tree. engineers in you on your YouTube comment section yeah <laughs> and so I, I tried to get ahead of that and I tried to plan uh, and I I designed it several times and tried to come up with ways that I thought would be simple but structurally sound and not completely destroy the tree because I mean that's a big concern is you know if you mount something to a tree you don't want to kill it right you want it to last as long as possible and and I did a bunch of research um and I don't want to get into it too deeply but to to be perfectly honest that thing is bomb proof it is sturdy (laughs) I've been up there with eight adults at a time it is it is perfectly strong it is perfectly capable it wasn't even finished and you and Josh were walking around on it I mean Oh, it's yeah. obviously sturdy. <laughs> yeah, I, but I did a lot of research. Now I didn't do everything right. I'm not claiming that. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not. I don't do construction for a living. It's the first treehouse I've ever made. Stuff like that. Um, but I did a lot of research, so I tr- I tried to cover that in the videos to make sure that people realized that I wasn't just like flying by the seat of my pants. Like we mm-hmm. were making a lot of stuff up as we went, but the structural side of things. You, you know, can't. I, do that. I, I tried to figure it out ahead of time. Right. Wow. I mean, it's it, it came out. It's such a. I was surprised to see that it was just going to be like a platform. I was kind of like, oh, there's no, there's no actual house. Is that was that by design or was it just like, look, we can't do another thirty minutes on how to build a house on top of this now. Well, I mean. I guess maybe I have some mutant version of a treehouse, like definition that nobody else has ever had. But I have always <laughs> thought of a treehouse as like anything in a tree, oh. <laughs> anything okay. above the ground. You know, like fair enough. And so when I talked to the kids about, you know, well, they were like, "Is it going to have a roof? Is it going to have walls?" And I'm like, "Well, we could, but I mean, that's just going to give animals a place to like move into." That's true. You know, and so you're going to go outside to go inside, which yeah, n- not exactly great. Kids should be outside. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the original kind of idea for it was I wanted it to be more of like a like a Ewok Village style house. But when it gotcha. came down to the construction of that, that's not like those things couldn't exist. Like <laughs> <laughs> so wait, something it, in the movies that can't exist? No, yeah, no you right? don't say. So especially using lumber that's readily available, like that's you just can't make something that looks like that with right. without going out into the woods, chopping down trees, and like you know, pointing the ends with an axe <laughs> and stuff like that. 
So then it fell back to, well, what can we do that's just the most blank slate, open-ended play thing for the kids to figure out how to make into whatever they want? And so by, in my mind, it was like, well, you know, putting a roof on it, it'd be kind of cool, but if you have a wall, or if you have a roof without walls, you're not really covered from anything. And if you have walls, then you're making a house that they're going to go in, and it's going to be dark, and there's going to be animals that come in there, and it just, it just makes sense. And like a platform can be anything, right? And we can attach stuff to the sides of it, and we can add things. And sure, put a ship so, wheel on it because that seems to be the thing that the kids today like. They like the ship wheels to be a pirate. Yeah, sorry. I mean, you can <laughs> stick anything you want to on it. You yeah, can yeah. Stick paintball guns on it. I don't know, whatever. But uh, so for me, it was just like anything in a tree. And yeah, it has to touch the ground because that particular tree, there was no way for us to make like a wraparound platform. And so I just didn't think that this was a big deal. But apparently I was wrong. Because <laughs> I, uh, I have been told as many times and in as many ways as you can possibly imagine that it is a tree deck, not a tree house. Oh, but, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do like your, your, except for the sandpaper organizer, your last couple of videos have been outdoor videos. Um, yeah, we've been doing a lot out, outside this. And you did summer. all the Lowe's stuff, too, the, the, putting, the putting green. <laughs> the, the the mini golf that was so awesome the way you channeled the balls down to the second tier and that was I I it's funny because obviously I don't subscribe to Lowe's channel but YouTube suggested it to me because I'm your I'm a subscriber to your channel and I was like oh but this is Bob that I haven't seen what is this yeah. and for it was the that one and the what other what other ones did you do for them you did the so there's like a pvc instrument kind of thing that was really simple and then there was a like a climbing net structure the rope pyramid yeah was that for yeah. them yeah mm-hmm. okay it's I, all outdoor stuff and then you did the axe throwing which looked like so much fun yeah um i actually if we do have a barbecue here at the house for over the summer and my nephews come i am absolutely going to make that awesome. because i think they would absolutely love that was, i love the idea of the pool noodles in the sterilite container like that's, <laughs> that's genius of course because yeah that's good i the only thing i thought is like knowing my knowing my nephews and thank god they're a little bit older but when they were younger i just envisioned them taking the axes and throwing them at each other but other than that, I was like, that's kind of genius. Like, they, they go in pretty damn far. They stay put. Was that – did you come up with that idea? Was that something you found somewhere or – Yeah, I came up with it. We were <laughs> – we had a conversation. We always have these really funny conversations here in the office, like, when we're trying to brainstorm stuff. And Josh said something like, we should come up with dangerous things for kids but make them so they're not dangerous. That's genius. <laughs> so then we, we started, you know, we went on all these different, you know, ridiculous tangents that would never actually happen. And then somebody, I don't remember who said axe throwing. And uh, <laughs> so then I started figuring out like, well, we could totally make the axes. That's no big deal. That's easy. Like, how do right. we get them to stick in something without being sharp? And we we talked about a bunch of different, you know, getting a bunch of brooms and putting them kind of in the same configuration and all this stuff. And then I remember that last year we made the slip and slide and we had to buy mm-hmm. a box of 50 pool noodles to make that and right, those things have been in my garage rail. for a year that was oh. july 4th weekend last year so they've been there for a year and so i was like we've got to use those pool noodles somehow to get rid of them and it ended up being the perfect thing for that particular target and it was really funny because we didn't put it in the video but um to make all of those pieces like we we have a little sequence of me cutting them on the bandsaw and shaping right. a couple of them but the truth was, 
I was at the bandsaw cutting all of those into those tiny little slivers, and then Anthony and Josh were over at the sanders, and I would take them buckets of those pieces, and they would <laughs> shape the tips of them uh, to have that, like, point on the end while I was cutting more. And it took us probably two hours to do all that stuff, all three of us working on it. And they it's kinda, they, kinda they had like this those... really funny conversation going on over there. Like, they may be embarrassed that I'm telling you this, but it was like a whole comedy routine about how they were factory workers at the noodle shaping <laughs> factory. It was really awesome. They, they It kind of works like those, those safe dartboards that they make for kids, only on a much bigger and less structured scale. It is... Yeah. I was like, wow, that is, that's like perfect problem solving. Just cram a bunch of them in there and they... I, I was like, it'd be interesting to see if this actually works. You know, and, wow, it worked on the first try. That's pretty impressive. I don't know if it worked on the first try. <laughs> we have a video on the second channel that Forby put together, and it's all of our ones that we attempted that didn't stick. Ah, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. You might want to check it out. The fu- the f- I love the um the disc golf fail video with the dog toy squeak. Yeah, it's basically that. That's that's my one of my favorite things ever because you put that video it showed up. I think it was either you or Josh posted it on Twitter, and I'm like, what's this? And I click it, and it just squeak, squeak yep. every time. This is it. I'm just cracking up laughing, and I see like everyone I know that fo- that follows you is retweeting the video, just cracking up. Like, yeah, it's it was. I like your sense of humor with stuff like that. Like, <laughs> I gotta admit, a lot of that stuff is Forby. He's got a great sense of humor, and he put that whole thing together. And then just we died laughing about it, so we had to release it. <laughs> it's it's good. I mean, it's it's. I, I don't like serious stuff that much. I mean, yeah, it's nice to be serious, but I like when people have fun with what they're doing. And it's clear from like this, the dog toy squeak. I mean, that was just just having fun, just yeah. hanging out, just a bunch of friends, just having some doing something fun and funny. Um, kind of like making a giant, um, a giant sound wave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which that was that was one of the coolest things because, like you, one of my favorite transformers was I had two favorite transformers, three actually. It was Soundwave, Bumblebee, and Optimus Prime. Those okay. are my three favorite. I had all three of them, and I had every cassette for Soundwave. So I had Laserbeak, I had Ravage, I had Rumble, and I had Frenzy. Nice. And I just I loved Soundwave because it was so cool that you could put a cassette in Soundwave. Yeah. Even though it didn't do a damn thing, it was just so cool to like, this looks like the real thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> and then you went and made it the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, it was funny. I mean, that's another one of those things where I just scaled it up and had fun with it and get called out because it's not supposed to be a boombox. It's supposed to be a tape player. <laughs> like, well, whatever, you know. You've made some crazy, like... I, I just just like fun things like you made that you made Optimus Prime's blaster you made He-Man's shield, I mean now you're making R2D2, yeah, which is literally one of the coolest things ever. I mean I love one of the things I loved about my trip to Maker Faire. It's the only one I ever got to go to and may be the only one I get to go to ever again. Um, was when you first walk in and there were like twenty R2D2s milling about right by the entrance to the to the show, and I was like these are so amazing like. It's a it's a hell of a community where people are just I don't want to say obsessed because obsessed has negative connotations, but there is a level of almost perfectionism about it. Like people really want to make it right. Like there's yeah. a character there, and there is like you've got to do this the right way and respect the character. And it's amazing to watch. One of the things that I think is so cool about that community, and I've just learned this from going to Maker Fairs where they are and talking to them, is that. 
I mean, there's a lot of maker communities that are really like helpful and uplifting and, you know, they, they've got your back and stuff, mm-hmm. but those people who make R2 units will tell you anything about anything that they know. And they want so badly for everybody to have the success of building a droid. And they know that it's not a single project. It is a project of projects of projects. There are so many parts to it. And every time I've been at one of those things, I always ask questions and I always corner somebody and be like, okay, just tell me, give me a piece of knowledge that I don't know yet because I'm going to try to do this thing. And they are awesome. They are so helpful and encouraging. And, And then I get emails from them after the fact, like, if you need anything, here's my info. You know, I've done this in the past. Let me help you. Let me give you information. They're, they're awesome. That is, I, I, it's been fun watching you build R2-D2. Um, just knowing, I know, I know the way you do things and I know it's going to be done really well. And I'm, I'm really excited to see whatever you come up with. Did you see the one that, um, what's, um, Dave Murray's brother, um, uh, Geek Pub. Did you see the one he's building? Yeah, I have seen. Oh my god! I mean, his motor control system, and he's got like multiple Raspberry Pis or multiple Arduinos inside, and just his process. And he has this one. He had one company just mill one part because it was like it was just easier to have someone mill it. And I'm like, wow, this. Yeah, I've gotten a bunch of my parts from other people because I mean, there are certain people who dedicate themselves to being able to make, you know, one of the many many parts perfectly, and. This is one of those projects for me that I would rather spend the money to get it done from someone else the right way. Not every piece, but not every piece, cer- right. certain pieces. Um, I would rather have that one right than fumble through it and then get 80% there on my own. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, this thing has to be right for me. And so, C- certain cosmetic pieces probably yeah. make sense to have someone that's done it before. You know, yeah. the, the internals, the stuff that nobody sees. You can be a little more creative with that, a little, little more scotch tape in there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, the inside of mine's not going to be pretty, but <laughs> inside of none of them, you know, are pretty. They're they're all pretty nasty in there. It, I was I was wondering that when I saw the ones at Maker Fair for the first because I'd never seen them before, mm. and first of all, I had no idea how big they were. Like I I, I should have had an idea. I've seen the movies, but seeing them in person and realizing how big they are, I'm like, wow, this is a big project. Yeah, well, this is not something that you just do like on a weekend. This is you know, this is a couple of years worth of intense work and thought and making parts and it's it's a it's an incredible undertaking i i loved it <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying it and i'm neck deep in it right now you know i put out the first video about it quite a while back and literally every week i get comments like when's the next r2 video coming and <laughs> i work on it a little bit every day honestly i try to make some little bit of progress painting something or gluing something or whatever and it's just slow. There's so much to it. There's so many pieces. And I'm still at the getting skin on it stage. Like, I haven't touched electronics. I haven't touched motors. I haven't touched any of that drive stuff. So I'm still at just the cosmetic, you know, trying to get the pieces together, not even assemble them yet. Uh, Do it's you, it, big. Does, does something like this, when you work on a project like that, does it ever feel like you're like depressed about it like you're never going to get it done like oh this is just a it's becoming a slog now or is the end so important that it just doesn't matter and you'll just take as much time as it needs i mean for this one i went into this one knowing that it was going to be really long um in fact at one of the maker fairs i asked one of the guys i was like all right bottom of the line how much and how long and he was (laughs) like well 
you know, two to five years and two to twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> two to twenty. <laughs> that's like, oh wow, okay. <laughs> that's, that's two to little, twenty. Yeah. Jesus. So it depends you... on what you spend. I guess if you have a solid gold R two unit, wow, you could spend twenty thousand dollars. But I mean, I knew going into it that this was a multiple year, very expensive, very time consuming thing, and I don't think I would have this feeling about every project, but this one I'm really enjoying every single step of it every time like i've been painting the blue parts over the last couple weeks you can post those on your instagram yeah they're on instagram Mm -hmm. and so like i as i pull those pieces out of the paint booth i'm like ooh, man these are like those are r2 parts you can tell right it's the right blue (laughs) the right color they're they're the right shape and like i know where these are gonna go and what they're for and so all of those little steps are really energizing at this point now talk to me in another year (laughs) (laughs) when you're still painting blue parts (laughs) yeah exactly it, we'll it's see. it's it's kind of cool though to have like a long term project, even if it's one that you're, you know, you started to get a little tired of. Like it is nice to have a long term project that you can, like, oh, I just you know what I don't want to do anything today. I just want to have like your Zen moment where you can go down to your shop and go, I think today I'm going to do some stuff on the R2, and I'm not doing anything else today. Yeah, like there are pro- I've had projects like that over the years over the last couple of years, over the years, like I'm doing this forever right now, over the last couple of years, I've had a couple of projects that are just, that just sit there baking for a long time. And it's like, all right, I'm going to work on that today because I just don't want to do anything else, but I do want to do something productive today. Yeah. And, you know. My, my short trooper costume was like that when I decided to do the whole thing. But that one got to the point to where, and I honestly, I've never really finished it. I mean, it looks finished, but it's not really finished. It looks finished enough. <laughs> and, but it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to touch this thing anymore. Like, it's close enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was that thing that I was go, I would always go to. I didn't make videos, videos about it so I could, you know, kind of like go down and play with it and do little bits here and there, and I didn't have to capture them all the time. And even after that as like a time filler, I was just like, man, I'm over this thing. I want it to be done. <laughs> I've heard from a lot of I've heard from a lot of people that do what you do that um that you know sometimes the the act of doing the thing is almost hindered by the fact that you're going to be filming it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And do you have that a lot? Like do you work I don't know I only know obviously whatever you put on your YouTube channel but do you have a lot of projects that you do where you just you do stuff and it's just like yep that's not getting filmed I'm just doing this and it's done and that's the end of it. Have you done a lot of stuff like that or no, I mean, I, I honestly try to make pretty much everything that I do into content if possible. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there are a few things. Like, I had to build some more shelves in our living room, and I already built shelves for the video, so I'm not going to do that again. But those things take so much longer because yeah. they, they're not a priority as they're a piece of content, so they're not income, so they're a thing that I have to just kind of fit in whenever I get to them, and they take forever to do. But really, most of the things that I make... I try to my best to figure out how to make them into a piece of content. And that can be tiring. It can be uh, limiting on what you let yourself do. But honestly, I don't know how I could fit any more projects in that are not video worthy because we make something new every single week and we're just chugging, you know, we're like going all the time to, to make that happen. So fitting other fun stuff in. I say fun loosely, like non, non-video stuff. Non-video stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would be really difficult at this point. You and David opened up a couple of weeks ago on making it about how the grind of making a project every week can sometimes get to you and you start to feel like you'll, you're not going to be able to tackle 
bigger and more ambitious projects because of, you know, the fact that you have to produce something or you feel you don't have to, but you feel the need to produce a video every week. Um, do you, do you ever see that changing or do you think it's always going to be that way where you're always going to feel limited by your schedule and not really go after a lot of huge projects? It's going to change whether it should or not. It's not sustainable. Um, Mm. I, for me anyway, I'm not speaking for anybody else, but I, I don't think that that is the way that the rest of my life should be. (laughs) So I'm actively, and I have been for a while trying to figure out ways to make that, um, to make, to take out the necessity of a weekly thing. Mm -hmm. And there's a bunch of ways that that can happen. Uh, and I'm still trying to figure that out, but I am trying to put things in place now so that I can have more room to make things at a, either a more comfortable pace or to make bigger things or to actually have time where I'm not making something as a way (laughs) to take a breather. So I don't think that's healthy to keep that pace up. Um, It's definitely not. I mean, we, you know, I've talked to other people about burnout and it's a legit thing where people go hard right off the bat and then their schedule becomes unsustainable. And instead of slowing down, once you hit that gap where you didn't make one, it becomes easy to hit that gap again and to hit that gap again and to hit that gap a couple of weeks in a row until eventually you're like, oh, wow, I haven't made a video in a month. Yeah. You know, I, I'm kind of glad that you're thinking about it because I don't want to see you burn out because, well, let's just be honest, I'd be really depressed if you stopped making videos. <laughs> so I'd rather see every other week Bob or every three weeks Bob. I mean, Bill and Britt just had this whole thing with yeah. their um, production schedule, that they're changing up their production schedule because cranking out a video every week, they weren't able to do the ambitious projects that they want to do. And it seems to be the regular producers of content seem to be hitting that same point now, you know, where it's like, this is just not what I want to be doing. I don't want to be on this like rotating schedule of every week churning, just throwing something out there. Yeah, it's tough. And honestly, when I watched that video from Bill, I was in the middle of it and I sent him a text and I was like, dude, good for you. They are (laughs) actively taking their own health and their own future into their hands and they're fixing it. And that's amazing. And 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 what they did, what they did was smart too, because you know, I'm a patron of his too. So I get the vlogs and now he's doing more vlogs. He's like, Mm. these are easier to produce. I can crank these out on a regular basis. So you'll get more of these now instead of a build video every week. I'm like, well, hell, this is actually better. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I like this, you know, do a really ambitious build once a month and then every other week or God, it's one week already. He's done two vlogs in a week. I'm like, this is, this is great. This is better. I'm getting more content this way Hmm. and it's easier for him to produce. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy that you're thinking about it. Cause I, like I said, I don't want to see, well, who am I, right? But I don't want to see you burn out. I don't want to see, I don't want to see the people I like burn out because then they go away. And when they go away, that's kind of sad. It makes me sad to see them go away. <laughs> yeah. You know, especially when, you know, I've subscribed on and off to, well, right now I have about 160 subscriptions. And, you know, there's certain people that have just always been there. And it's like, it'd be weird to just like, oh, there's nothing new from like these guys today. And yeah. And it's been months. Oh, no, they're gone. They're not doing this anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, so I've always kind of had the outlook of it that, you know, this thing needs to outlive me like that mm-hmm. from the very beginning that's been the point this thing needs to grow past a single person and it already is like there's four of us full time and but it needs to be able to outlive my personal limitations and my schedule and my ability to be on camera and 
my ability to come up with clever ideas. And, you know, it has to do better than that, longer mm-hmm. than I can do that. So part of that, making uh, kind of setting it up for the future is figuring out how to make it sustainable. And that doesn't mean shifting the load, the weekly load and the burnout from me to somebody younger <laughs> with more energy. Right, did you just burn them out? That's, right. That doesn't it means, help you. It means fixing it so that it can be sustainable and it can affect more people longer like so that's that's kind of the goal is part of your is part of your um let's say antidote to the grind is it the podcast because i noticed there you are you and josh are just so chill on that podcast like it's like you guys are just having the greatest time you know in the the lego building lego stuff and just having a chat and I, I didn't expect I'm, I didn't listen to I didn't listen to it for a while I'm not going to pretend I listened to it from the beginning and one week I was like well, I had nothing else to listen to and I like Bob and I like Josh so how bad could it be and I listened I was like wow this is actually really good and because I was expecting it to be you know you and him you know since you're both dads and talking about family and stuff like that I, I don't have you know I have my wife and I have two cats so I don't have I'm not in the same situation you guys are but I kind of feel like the the, the camaraderie that you two have comes across so well on the podcast that it's actually fun to listen to. It's like, you know, being the fly on a wall when two buddies are just having a chat. And yeah. it's, it's, is that part of your antidote for the burn of doing the videos every week? That you know that you have an hour and a half that you can block out to just you and Josh are just going to relax, do the podcast, have a little fun, and that's it? Or, like, yeah, where's the I podcast think, fall? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that was the, kind of the one of the original thoughts for that whole show was there's a bunch of stuff that I want to talk about that's life stuff and parenting stuff and like nerdy movie stuff and whatever. I want to talk about all these things that don't make sense on YouTube. They don't make sense on making it. They don't make sense, you know, any of these other places. And he was like, yeah, me too. I'm like, Hey, we should just start recording a podcast (laughs) and a way to be able to like you know justify playing with legos I'm like awesome that's perfect storm <laughs> so it, it really started as a way to get some of that other stuff out the interests and just conversation out around those things and then it turned into like it's a pretty nice release and it's a it's a kind of reprieve in the middle of our work week to just like sit down get to focus i mean we kind of focus on what we're doing we're talking yeah. the whole time but we get to like focus on building something and you know with following instructions even though it's called no instructions mm-hmm. and um just being able to, to sit in one place and hang out and it's such a nice breath within the week that i don't know that it really is there to help fight against the burnout but i think it's just one of those you know it's like a lunch break yeah, it's scheduled downtime almost. Exactly. And actually, that, that was one of the original titles that we were working with was like mandatory playtime or something like that. It was like, <laughs> it's you know, a good we title. had to work this in. But Well, I'll tell you, I listen to it because you drop that usually on Tuesdays. Yeah. And Tuesday, usually I'm coming home from chemo on Tuesday afternoon, and that's the first thing that comes on on my po- And I'm like... Oh, good. I'm just going to listen to this now and get rid of the stress of this day. And nice. it it is a str- it is a major stress reliever, and that's I kind of like I love the camaraderie you two had. I love the I love the idea of you just goofing around doing um, with the the game that you guys have been playing recently, like you know, like um, pros and cons. Pros and cons. Yeah, it's yeah. like I just laugh at some of the answers you guys give. It's just it, <laughs> you're so you guys are like a perfect match. 
<laughs> I, like if if you, if it was like you know it's 2019, you guys would make a great couple. If the situation was a little different, <laughs> like you're 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 you complement each other so well. And even when I hear you guys talk to each other, it's like there's no you don't step on each other. There's no is that how it is working with Josh? Like yeah, you guys, I mean he and is I, that every day. Yeah, we we get along really well. We're you know we're both independent thinkers, and we both will have different ideas about stuff for sure. But we're good friends, and we get along, and we have a lot of the same interests, and a lot of this. We have very different life experience from one perspective, but similar in a different in another perspective. Sim- so you have similar values, it seems. Yeah, for sure. Which is and what probably gets you guys on the same page so readily. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, we're good friends, and we have a lot of fun. And it, it, we have a lot of fun on the show. We have a lot of fun just goofing off and working together. Uh, and when he came on, originally it was just supposed to be like a contract, you know, like three-month thing. We'll see how it goes, see if it works out. And before that three months was up, I knew – I mean, we were already friends before that, but I knew, like, we just work well together. And there's a lot of things that I don't have the patience for, but he does – and vice versa, and there's a lot of things that I needed to get off my plate, and he's more capable about doing them than I am, and it's it's worked out really well uh, at a personal level and at a business level for sure. It, it's nice to see. It's nice to see that you've had enough success with this that you've been able to build what you've built. You know, you have Josh, you have Forby, you have Anthony. It it is it is nice to see that there is, you know, the I like to make stuff brand as you called it, and I think you called it that in your book. That mm-hmm. you wanted that to be the brand, not Bob. Yeah. It is nice to see that that's actually happening, and it's fun watching that evolution go from just you and the camera to you, a camera guy, and then you, a camera guy, and, like, another guy. And, you know, it, it is amazing when you watch something grow like this, and you can kind of see the improvement in the product and the changes, but things are still good. You know, I know Jimmy likes to joke about classic Duresta, and he's actually doing classic Duresta videos now. But <laughs> yeah. classic classic Bob was good, but current Bob is better. <laughs> yeah, I would hope so, right? Yeah. I mean, isn't that the point? Like, we want to try to... I've always been of the mind that I want to try to incrementally improve anything that I'm doing. Not make giant shifts. I don't want to, like, look Hollywood all of a sudden. But I, I want everyone, every video, to have some almost you know, unnoticeable improvement so that you don't really see it changing. And then you go back and you watch a video from three years ago and you're like, whoa, what, what happened? <laughs> like, well, you, why is you, that so much better than it was back then? Right. You've accomplished the hell out of that. I mean, that's well, good. That's, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, if um, I went back a couple of weeks ago and I watched the notebook video again, cause I was actually writing, I forgot what I was writing. I was writing something for my blog and I, I had to find the link to that video to put in the, in the post. And I watched the video again. And I'm like, wow, it's just, I, the video is still good, but I like the new stuff a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I do too. I mean, yeah. we, we, we try, you know, we try to improve it. And, and I think we've gotten, we've learned a whole lot of stuff. Like we analyze, or at least I analyze, you know, how things are presented and the types of shots that we're getting and how complete they are and how how much people do or don't understand the things we're trying to get across. And that stuff all kind of funnels back into the next week or into the next project. So I hope it all, it's getting better. It, it, yeah, oh, yeah, it's definitely... I don't want... You know, I'm glad I'm glad that I don't have to be like a, a hipster I like to make stuff fan that goes, I, I like the old stuff so much better. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been here for three years. It was so much better three years ago. No, it, it, it's, 
it was good three years ago. It's much better now. So good. That that kind of growth, that kind of growth is something that eludes a lot of people. You know, if they have success, a lot of people have you know some degree of success at some point, and wherever they hit that success, they tend to kind of stay there, and it's just very linear. And yeah. I like that you didn't do that, and I like that you're looking to make still make things better, even though they're really good. You're still looking to make things better. And it's it's the pursuit of perfection that it's just it's fun to watch. It's really fun to watch. Well, thank you. Um, I think we're gonna wrap it there. If um, you have anything that you oh no, I'm not gonna wrap it there because I didn't ask you the question I ask everybody else. And here it is. All right. What represents fulfillment for Bob Claggett? Ooh. Hmm. This this question fair. gets people. <laughs> <laughs> I said I wasn't going to ask any inquirer type questions. Didn't say I wasn't going to ask any hard questions, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you could, say, you could say you don't know. I don't. I'm not going to pin you down. But usually people have some kind of answer. So yeah, I mean, uh, there's a bunch of different ways that I think everybody can be fulfilled. You know, from one perspective, when I look at the family stuff, seeing my kids grow into who the adults that I think they should be and that I hope for them to be that's really fulfilling and my kids are young enough that that is it's not super evident yet but um, when I see their hearts change to the way that I think they should be you know with compassion and with like thought of other people and empathy and those things that is really fulfilling from like a business perspective from a creative perspective um, hearing people or seeing people uh, try something that they didn't think they could do is the most fulfilling thing about this business, about the videos that we make and stuff, because our whole our whole thing is about getting people to flip their expectations of themselves and understand that they can do so much more than they think they can. And when we see that happen or we get an email about it or any of that stuff, like that is just, it's gasoline on this fire. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I, I love, I love, and I'm just going to tell you, because I, I don't know if you've heard any of the prior episodes. I'm not going to pin you down and ask an awkward question, but I just want you to know that that's pretty much the answer that almost everyone gives, hmm. that they want to inspire people to do cool things. And awesome. it makes, it, it honestly, it makes me proud to consider myself part of this community because there's so many people. It's not a competition. It's not a race. It's yeah. it's we're we're going to take each other along and it's going to be one great journey and we're all going to go along on the bus ride and I, I just I love that about this community so much and it's it's been such a positive influence on me and my outlook on the world and it's changed me in so many ways and I, you know beyond just making stuff it's just my personal outlook on just about everything has changed meeting some of the people that I've met and hearing their outlook and there's always this unselfishness and this giving nature in this community it's just it's awesome it is an awesome community to be a part of and yeah i, I, totally I actually agree. feel honored i feel honored to be part of it <laughs> yeah absolutely and and i i love i love you know I, I don't know as much as a lot of people but i do like that i know more than some and i love paying it forward like if i can teach somebody how to do something you know i want every i didn't learn how to do this by myself and i want to teach as many people how to do what i do you know yeah as many as i can because I think that's the way that we grow. It's paid forward. So, Absolutely. All right. Um, now that we've had our tear jerk a moment to end the show, 
Um, I'll leave, um, I'll leave all the links where you can find Bob's stuff. I mean, I'm assuming most of the people listening to this probably know where to find you by now, but I will have everything in the show notes. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode, everybody. Um, you can share the show. I would really appreciate it. Leave a review on Apple podcasts, leave a review, um, anywhere you're listening to this. If you want to leave a financial bit of support, that's fine. There's a link in the show notes, but honestly, I'd rather you just leave a review and share the show. And that's going to do it for this week. We will be back again next week with another great guest. And until then, have a great week, everybody.